Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful morning we're having. Elbow somebody next to you and say, God's going to touch you right now. Hey, did you come for Jesus? What did you come for? Did you come for the Lord? I didn't feel as good as I would like to have felt, but I feel so much better now. How many of you found out the Holy Spirit will just make you feel like you can do stuff you couldn't do before? I have a message entitled, Miracles in Jesus' Hands. Would you say that with me? Miracles in Jesus' Hands. I want to encourage you today, we're going to be learning uh, to give, put place more, more and more into His hands. Paul, uh, you know, when you read the Gospels, you see the works of Jesus, you get to know Him somewhat, but then there's this revelation in the letters of the Bible after the four Gospels that give revelation to who Jesus is as a person. And then my new favorite devotional Bible is the Passion Translation. How many of you enjoy the Passion Translation? Some It's just really wonderful. So I'm going to read a little bit about this. Would you like to know Jesus better? Then let's open our hearts, open our ears, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation in Colossians. We're just going to look through here, and then as we go, we will uh, end up in another biblical story, and we'll finish there. He is the divine portrait. Colossians 1, verse 15, and ongoingly. He is the divine portrait. When you think of Jesus, and you look at the... He's the divine portrait of the Father. He says He's the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. And in Him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, authority, it all exists through Him and for His purpose. It's good to remember this as the days heat up. God Almighty is God Almighty. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in Him. Hallelujah. The fulfilling of your life is found in relationship with Jesus. He is the head of His body, which is the church. And he, since He is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, He is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. It's one of my favorite verses coming up. For God is satisfied to have all His fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of the cross, everything in heaven and on earth is brought back to Himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. How many of you know that there's something quite extraordinary, we're getting into this aspect of it, but extraordinary about how you have lived a life, if you lived a life and you just where you're tormented because of your failures, and this deep and precious work makes you feel so innocent as if you had never done anything wrong. It's just extraordinary. This is, this is what he's about. He's to give you that kind of a foundation. So it says, starting in verse 21, 22, even though you were once distant from him, 
living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions. He reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there's nothing between you and the Father, for he sees you holy, flawless, and restored. And then, of course, we add 23, if indeed. Everybody say, if indeed. If you continue to advance in faith. Part of what we want to talk about today is this advancing in faith, where God brings you to a place of blessing. And then there's a trial of some sort. It's amazing how the Lord brings you to a place, and then he goes, I'm going to take you further, but I've got to go down deep inside first. This is like, I'm not in the root canals, are you? There's something obsessed about your soul. There's something that's just not right yet for the next level of blessing that I'm calling you into. But I am calling you into it. And so I brought you here. You obeyed your way here. Now there's going to be a deeper work. We're going to take you further. If you advance in the faith, he says, if indeed you advance in the faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon. How many of you know, I was one of those that didn't have a firm foundation from childhood. And the Lord had to begin establishing a firm foundation. You know what? Sometimes the Lord just doesn't seem to be in a big hurry. He kind of digs down in there. What you messing with? The foundation? Yeah, but this is really uncomfortable. I know. You weren't loved correctly. You're not based on the love, this eternal love I have for you. We've got to dig out some of this rubble here. But it's my rubble. Yeah, it doesn't work too well. Because when I add something on this, you're going to topple right over. When I, put, when I lay, add the weight of the blessing of what I've got you, called you to, it's just, you're just going to crumble underneath. I, I need you to be restored down here. The firm foundation to grow upon, never to be shaken from the hope of the gospel you, you believed in, and this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. That's from Colossians 1, 15 through 23. And now I just want to read one verse and we'll get on. Colossians 1, 27. Just repeat this. I want to shift it to, to living. Living within me is Christ who floods me with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within me becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope, uh, of hope filled with the riches of glory for me and what God wants me to know. This is a phenomenal, this is a, their way of saying Christ in Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The hope is the preferred picture of the future and the restoration of that, of what God wants to do 
No matter how devastated you've been, no matter how broken you've been, it doesn't matter to Him. He always has that original purpose in His heart about why He created you, and He's not changed His mind. Jesus was born entering the world as fully man and as fully God, and He emptied Himself of the capacities that He had as God and completely submitted to the will of the Father and to the anointing of the Holy Spirit as a human being to model for us how life is done. So this real quick. So there's these four phases that he used with the disciples. And see if these don't ring true in your life. First of all, there's come and see. Jesus said, come and see. And so four or five months, the disciples come and saw. <laughs> they came and saw. And uh, there's this aspect of your life. You just come and observe and see, check it out. Then it shifts to the second phase. It's come and follow me. Because he's now going to make something of you. And this, in the Bible, that was more of an eighth-month process. They begin to follow him. Then the next one where he chose some people, he said this, come and be with me. That's more than following. That's actually going to... And now he's going to impart unto these guys. He's going to give them an anointing. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to preach the gospel. And lastly, we have this remain in me. This term abide. Jesus said the same way that I abide in the Father, I want you to abide in me. And we'll be knitted together in this love. Very intentional about this process. And there's this impartation of values. How many of you know that the values of the Lord are not the values of the world? They're like diametrically opposed. In the world you promote self. In the kingdom... The more you get out of the way, the better it is. <laughs> the more you, you're, the less of you, the more anointed you are. It's amazing because you know you, 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 How many of you have wrestling matches in your head and finally come to the end of it? Go, I'm just going to have to trust God here. We all go through that. The flesh. Oh my gosh. So his values are revealed in his word. Therefore, one of the values that Jesus, and he used it, but one of the values is reading and meditating on the life-giving word of God. And we all go through, depending on your temperament, depending on your reading materials, you got to mix it up sometimes. That's why I've shifted over to the Passion Translation. You just, as, as the years go by, you need to have fresh ways that you meditate and fresh ways that you spend time with the Lord. Jesus actually memorized quite a bit of the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, one, it seemed to be his favorite book to quote from. And uh, so when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he quoted a portion of uh, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus actually modeled for us Overcoming a temptation by speaking the Word of God. When you get the Word of God into your belief system, and it came right out of him, it just came right out. When you put it in, the Holy Spirit can bring it right out. So there's this thing about him desiring us. How many of you know that if you memorize the Word, your brain works better? There's just too many benefits. And the whole point of transforming your belief system into who, you know, as he walks us through. How many of you know... Uh, we, we've talked with some here recently. You know, you have this orphan mentality. A very, I got to fend my, for myself. Nobody's for me. Every, I just got to fight my way through everything. And the Lord goes, no, 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 no. You're my son. 
and he arranges relationships, and he puts things together so that suddenly you realize God's with me as a father. And that brings me to number two. Jesus modeled the prayer life, a beautiful prayer life. So we see that he's above all things, in all things, all things are created through him, by him, the fullness dwell in him, and yet in all of the fullness of that, he sets all of that aside, and he's fully God and fully man at the same time, but he sets apart the, the, to do, he didn't do any miracles based on being God. He did them all based on being a human being that was submitted to the will of the Father and functioned under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I did something that I want you to do. But to get there is this knitting together of the heart through communication and communion. If I say prayer, prayer is not a legalistic, got to put in so many hours a day type of thing. It's a relational communication. And Jesus modeled it. He, he loved being with the Father. The prayer life, he taught us the value of talking to Father about everything. I just want to camp there just for one quick second. What are you going through recently? And have you given it to the Father? Have you talked to Him about it? Or are you running around with it in your head, fretting? This is every physical need, every emotional need, every spiritual need, every relational need, every financial need, everything. And this is what you learn about prayer. The answer to every prayer is more of God being involved and less of you having your hands on it. It's phenomenally easy to understand it. And then this, uh, this other little part here, so I want to talk about the Word of God, meditating, reading, refreshing you on that, us moving along that way, enhancing our prayer life and communication and love and trust with the Lord. And then this other part here, just, just felt, felt important in His kingdom, we learn His precious value, and this value is the testimony of the saints, the testimony of what He does in your life. When you share your testimony, here's the power of that. First of all, Jesus is exalted when you talk about the things He does. He's exalted. The Holy Spirit comes to help us glorify Jesus. So he's glorified when you tell a testimony of what he's done for you. Here's the other thing. The power of what he does miracle-wise in your life, he'll now begin to move in somebody. He puts faith in their heart for the same thing. When you share what he's done for you, he will overflow that. And this little... When Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, when he would say that kind of stuff, truly, truly, he was basically saying, here's a double truth here. I want to, this is so true that you'll probably discard it. Unless I say, truly, truly, I'm going to pound it in. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to a mountain, be thou removed and be cast a seed. He says, unless I say, you got to double down the truth on this one. You've got to embrace the truth of this one. This is real. This is what I learned about the Lord. How many of you have had the Lord whisper something in your heart that's diametrically opposed to the nature of all the environment around you? 
but you've stayed on that little mustard seed of a whisper. And you begin to move through, and the, the mountains begin to shift in your favor. Hallelujah. It's about that relationship. And then, then you share that. Hey, I was sitting there, and the Lord whispered this, and I, begin to, I didn't let anything steal it. I kept it inside, and it changed everything. That's what we're talking about here. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I mentioned a minute ago how God brings you to a place to inhabit, and then you obey your way into that place of blessing. Then you obey your way into a greater place of blessing, and then you testify of the Lord's blessing and, how, and give Him glory for it, and then others will begin to pick up on that. They begin to obey the Lord, and they move into their place of blessing. The place of blessing is this. It's where you experience the Lord's favor. It's the Lord's provision. It's the Lord's protection. It's spiritual protection, mental protection, and blessing emotionally, physically, relationally, financially. There's this, you receive an inner confidence through your relationship with the Lord. It's the place of blessing. And he does, he, he wants to set you up so that, to lay that foundation so you can stand in a place of blessing and share the testimony of it. And other people begin to get the, get the idea of it. And they say, if he did it for you and you didn't come from anywhere, I didn't come from anywhere. I got no spiritual pedigree at all. Does the Lord look? And Heather doesn't either. The Lord just went down here. Oh, we'll find these two little kooky heads and just stick them together. And this is going to be fun. And it was some. It was not fun <laughs> for a long time. It won't too much fun. <laughs> it's fun now. Why? Because the foundation's laid. Come on, the foundation. Oh, hallelujah. And the place of blessing is established. And, 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 and it's like, whew, I never saw that before. Lord says, I've made you like a revolving door. People can come in and be healed and go off. People could come in and within a short amount of time be established in their divine, the purpose that God has for them. Come on. The Lord told me when I had my knee replacement, it was February the 20th, excuse me, February, which is 2, 22, 2022. <laughs> and I didn't take any note of it until about a month and a half later, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, oh, by the way, I arranged your... Uh, your surgery on February 2022, 2022. And the reason I did that is because of Isaiah 22:22. And I went, I looked it up and I thought, I've heard prophets talking about this. And uh, what's this mean? You know, and he says, as your knee gets better and better, this is the, the idea says he's what happened. There was one guy that uh, he took the key of Dave, key to the house of David. And he put it on a guy. And he says, whatever you uh, open will be open. Whatever you close will be closed. And he says, as you walk this out, and I think there's been coming a stronger anointing to say, this is going to open. You know, under the Lord, it's not me. It's never you. It's always you being submitted to him and him saying stuff. But then when you say it, it happens. And so there's things that will open because the Lord says, now open that. And you speak it and it opens. Close that. You speak it and it closes. Wow. Where did that come from? 
a knee surgery. <laughs> the Lord says, I'm going to give you something. So I get sensitive about that stuff because I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how it all works. I'm like you. How do you do this? Keep submitting. Keep walking. Keep listening. Keep growing. Keep it, stay in His presence. Enjoy Him. Love one another. And now to our final, hey, this is, we're doing really good. Pat, pat me on the back and say, yay. Okay, very good. Okay. So Jesus is out doing things, and uh, then it says uh, John 6. So we'll walk through this. And let me pause just a minute. Father, I ask that you would uh, help every single person in here understand who they are to you and how you're stretching them into that new place. In the name of Jesus. John 6, 1 through 14. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Lake of Tiberias, which is also known as the Lake, of Gal uh, Lake Galilee. And a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. And they were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of a Jewish celebration of Passover. And there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. And as Jesus sat down, he looked out and he saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill. But they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip. And he said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now listen to the verse 6. Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do. But he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He'll pose you a question. He's stretching something. By the way, this word for the stretch faith part is, is the word test. There are many words in the English language that you, depending on the context, how it's translated. This is the exact same word that used where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. It's the same word where on a negative connotation, it says that if you are, temptations don't come from God, you know, that's inside of you. If you have a, a lust inside of your own spirit, you're enticed and you, you step into a sin, then that sin grows up and it becomes death to you. Uh, God doesn't tempt you with that kind of thing. God's not the author of that level or realm of temptation. What he is the author of is he'll say, hey, how about this, uh, how are we going to work this out? And he drops a thought. And it's time for you to put your faith in him and let him stretch you. And Philip, he just said this to Philip, and then he goes, and I'll get to another aspect of this message here in a second. But he, anyway, Philip said, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. And then just then, Andrew, Peter's uh, brother, spoke up and said, hey, look, there's a young person here with five barley loaves and two small fish. How far would that go with this huge crowd? Jesus says, have everybody sit down. So they all sat them down on the, this grassy slope. More than 5,000 hungry people sat down. 
Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. Everybody said he gave thanks to God. Okay. Then uh, it says he uh, gave it to the disciples to distribute among the people. The other versions, this is in all four Gospels. He comes before the Father in heaven and, gives, and blesses it. Then he breaks it. Bless it, break it. So it gets in Jesus' hands, he does something. Miraculously, the food multiplies and everyone eating as much as they wanted. And then when everyone was satisfied, Jesus told his disciples, now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing will be wasted. And the disciples filled up all 12 baskets of fragments. Baskets of, this is their um, doggy bag to go home with. Uh, leftovers uh, for each disciple. 12, there's these, a basket for each of them. All the people were astounded as they saw with their own eyes the incredible miracle Jesus had performed. And uh, they began to say among themselves, he really is the one. He's the true prophet who we were expecting. Now look, I want to just, let's pretend for a minute. No matter where you are right now in your life, this is what the Lord's looking at, okay? Receive this. There is a wow factor in you. A wow factor. God has made you different than everybody else. I love that little saying, uh, be yourself today, all the other spots are taken. Jesus is very, very mindful of the wow factor that he's created inside of you. Very, very mindful. He has, some, uh, he has put a gifting in you that's not available in the realm that he's called you to. He's got to activate you to cause all these things that he wants to happen around you with him. You're it. I say, I'm, I'm it. I'm it. So what he does is he looks for the absolute best in people, and he calls it forth. He's not like anybody else. Everybody say this. When you put people down, you degrade yourself. When you elevate people, you upgrade yourself. Be like Jesus. So Jesus, when he looked at sinners, he dreamed of saints. He saw that there was going to be this capacity that when they're yielded to him, when the foundation's laid right, they're going to take off. They're going to become something they could never be without his blessing and anointing on their life. The investment that Jesus makes, and this is my testimony, he turns nobodies into somebodies. So he already knows what he's doing in your life, and he wants you to reach out. And this is the last little part of this. Okay, so here we have the need, and inside of the realm of your life, there's always going to be some kind of a way that the Lord says, how are you going to meet this need? That's going to be a bottom line in all kinds of ministry endeavors in, call, in your calling. There's a need before you. How are you going to meet that? How are you going to do that? And suddenly you feel this pressure and you come up with these natural answers like Philip did. But Jesus already knew what he was doing. He knows exactly what he's doing with you. He's already got a miracle brewing. He's already got something that he's working on. Now this is it. There's a kid 
And he's got five barley loaves and two fish. And they're in his hands. Now watch the hands. It ends up in the disciples' hands. This kid actually goes, he must be starstruck with Jesus. Anything, you know, whatever. You know, here's my lunch. He gives it all. The disciples have it. Then they place it in the hands where miracles happen. You see, you got to get it out of your hands. You can't hold on to it and figure out how it's going to work. You have to release it. You got to get your little grubby fingers. off of what God's going to use. you got to quit fretting and quit worrying and keeping the pressure on your life. And you place it in His hands so it's not in yours anymore. Let's just praise the Lord just for a minute. What is it? What are you wrestling with? What do you got in your grubby little fingers? What are you holding on to? What is it? Before the Lord right now, what is it? He's going to work a miracle in your life. He's stretching your faith. What is it? What is it? Will you let go of it? Will you get it in His hands? I feel like some, of the, some, some hearts are going to crack open and release some things. You've been carrying stuff that's not yours. God's stretching you. Oh, the, the devil's so, so clever, you know, at, at being able to get you to think that you have to work it out. Isn't that amazing? He always does that. Is that the, is that the correct one? We, we're going to fix that. <laughs> He's always wanting to cause something to happen where you are stuck with it on you. Isn't that right? Hello? You're not going to get a miracle that way. Provision's not going to manifest that way. It's never going to work. It's got to be surrendered. The spirit of surrender in the room. A little while ago we had the spirit. I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to release the spirit to conquer in the room. Would you let the Lord conquer you and offer your life, everything you've been fretting about, everything you've been concerned about, and you place it in his hands right now. This is what this is about today. It's your time to participate in the miracle work of Jesus. It's your turn to give it to him. He called you to this place, this very place, but he needs something from you that you're not in charge anymore. You're not in control anymore. You release it now. Release it. Release it. Release it. Miracles don't come until you let go. Miracles don't manifest. The provision is not available until it's completely in Jesus' hands. He knows what he's doing. He brought you to this place. 
He understands where you are and what you're facing. And you are not alone. He's got you before Him. The amazing thing about this is that the provision didn't even come from the disciples. What you got didn't even come from you. It came from some other source. So what do you got a hold of it for? Right? We don't have anything except the Lord gave it to us. He made it available to us. There's something clicking in your heart. Something happening in your heart. There's a sigh of relief that begins to come. I'm shifting from me having a handle on it to God having a handle on it. I'm giving it over to Him. And then Jesus takes it. The beauty of Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't do miracles outside of the Father. So He lifts His head to heaven. Now the Father's involved. He models for us. Let's go ahead and... Some of you did this already, but just go ahead and take whatever it is. And would you present it to the Lord? Just give it to the Lord. Um, okay, I just got a word, I think. Ted, the moment you put your hands there, the, the Lord is going to give you a definition of the next, this next season of your life. It's been in your heart, hasn't it? He's going to make it real clear to you the next season with Him. Thank you, Lord. He sees your faithfulness. The miracles manifest. There's a new Spirit of the Lord resting on you. Just increased, not new. Would you guys just, with a kind of a holy murmur, just give some praise and thanks to God. If you want to pray in the Spirit, don't lean your tongue here. Just softly before the Lord. Let's worship Him. Just worship Him. Just worship Him. Place things in His hands. Let Him have it. Let Him have it. Let Him have it. Let Him have it. Roll it over on Him. There's some of you that you've held something so long, it's very odd for you to give it to the Lord. It's just weird. feels weird. The Lord says, hand it here. The miracles that you're looking for will not come until you hand it to Him. Would you praise Him now and just go ahead and hand it over? Because Jesus has this connection. And He connects you with this resourcing of the Father. And then He multiplies. He blesses it starts to multiply. And here's the beauty of what he does. The testimony will be that when the miracle started, he put it back in your hands and you got to participate with the flow of his grace. And what he intended to flow through you gets to happen now and meet the needs of the people that he intended for it to meet. And there's an overflow of, of, of abundance. I didn't know that today would be a call to die, but there is a, 
a dying to you having a handle on it. You surrendering. Years ago, the Lord said to me when I was preaching that this way in the other building, the ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, in over your head from the the river flowing from the throne of God. And the Lord spoke to me in the message. He said, you're waist, you're waist deep right now, but I'm taking you in over your head. You know what in over your head means? You're not in control anymore. He's in charge. He's in charge. He's in charge. And then when he's in charge, just hang on. Hang on and whatever shows up, you just get on your knees and cry out. And work through it. Hello? Then the needs are met. Let's go ahead and stand together. Jesus is mining gold. He's mining gold. He's come to you, the pile of dirt. And he says, there's gold in here. And you'd always discarded it as, a, as I'm just a pile of dirt. But Jesus knows where the gold is. He, he knows the wow factor of your life. And he's come to call it forth. There's a breakthrough that God has for you. It changes your life. There's a breakthrough. You know, every anytime I get an impression or word like this, sometimes I go, Lord, how, when did that start? When he was little, you knew there would be more. The Lord's not forgotten. How many of you feel, I want that? Take it. Take it. Take it. There's breakthrough. The Lord's stirring stuff. These are days where we have to go on past where we've been. And so now, Lord Jesus, as we've handed this into your hands, done the best we could to surrender what we know, we ask now, Lord, that you would do the miracles that you do, begin to release the multiplication of life in Christ Jesus over the needs necessary to flow back into our life and become a testimony of blessing to those around where people are astonished. They know that Jesus did it and we didn't. Let's all praise him. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Let's go ahead and those uh, up front are going to be available for other prayer. We're going to dismiss them. Love on somebody. Tell them you've got the wow factor.